You are listening to Life Sci AI, the podcast series. Building on series one, we bring you series two, where we are looking to bring you more innovative and amazing ways that AI is being used in the life science industry across Europe. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Life Sci AI, the podcast series. I hope you have been enjoying the series so far. We've had some excellent guests and um, really that theme continues. Um, and one that's been interesting because if um, I'm right in saying uh, the guest today is only the second medical doctor that we've had from, from series one and two, the other person was Dr. Jonathan O'Keefe at Machine Medicine. Um, but I'm delighted to say we're joined by CEO and co-founder of Curate, um, Dr. Murathan Tillai, welcome to the podcast. Brilliant, thank you, thank you very much for having me. No worries, pleasure, pleasure is all mine, and um, we're discussing to make sure I've got the pronunciation of curate <laughs> <laughs> right but before, so hopefully I've pronounced it correctly. But um, just give us a, a short introduction um, of of yourself and, and what you guys do over there. Yeah, so curate is a uh, a data platform uh, using artificial intelligence to look at data mainly from clinical trials but also hospitals and we're very interested in complex diseases uh, trying to look for new digital biomarkers that help us work out whether diseases are getting better or worse whether uh, diseases are responding to drugs or not and I co-founded the company with my uh, co-founder our CSO uh, Alessandro Ruggiero uh, two and a half years ago uh, Alessandro is a radiologist in Cambridge, so he's a, 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 an imaging specialist, and I am a lung doctor, uh, and I work in a particular form of lung disease called uh, lung fibrosis or scarring of the lungs. And it's a consequence, actually, that with COVID, sometimes one of the long-term consequences of COVID is scarring of the lungs. Um, but we're interested in a few diseases, uh, lung fibrosis, certain forms of lung cancer, and a condition called pulmonary hypertension, where the blood vessels in the lung and the heart get affected. And these are very complicated diseases. They have very complicated biomarkers, complicated scans of the heart, the lungs, and other parts of the body. And the platform works by taking all this complex data together, structuring it in a way that's useful for our machine learning engineers. And we build biomarkers that are useful, not just for clinical trials, but for patients down the, the end. And our aim is to try and find the best biomarkers using a combination of images and, and other clinical data for these very, very complicated diseases to help companies to develop drugs. And as I said, down the um, road, help patients with these complicated diseases. Okay, so definitely a, a niche area um, in, in, in what you look at. So it'd be good to understand, like, why did you feel as a need um, for Curate? Was it something that you were coming across in your job often and you're in, in, in what you're looking on in a clinical setting? And, how did you how did you meet your CSO as well? Like, did yeah, you come over? definitely. So I met my CSO uh, actually by chance. Uh, we were uh, just at a, at a research meeting, and um, we both work in Cambridge, and so we knew of each other, but hadn't really spoken. Uh, and we got talking. Uh, we didn't really have the same uh, circle of friends, and. Uh, later on that week, I think we ended up in a pub at the same time. And so, uh, like all good Cambridge stories, uh, the company started in a little uh, 17th century pub on Magdalen Bridge in Cambridge, if you've ever been there, called Pickerel Inn. So, so maybe one day, uh, you know, there's, there's a plaque at the Eagle Pub in Cambridge. They discovered the structure of DNA. There'll be a plaque in this Pickerel Inn pub where we found it great. <laughs> That's our plan. But um, 
in all seriousness, in my day job, so we deal with these complicated diseases, and these are very expensive drugs and very um, complicated drugs. So to give you a specific example, one of the diseases we deal with is IPF, or idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, this scarring condition in the lungs. Now, there are only two drugs available um, on the market for this condition. They're both very, very expensive drugs, um, whether you're um, in Europe or the US, and unfortunately, uh, not um, achievable by healthcare in developing countries yet. But these drugs are both um, on pattern and they're, they're complex. And I was finding with colleagues as well that it was sometimes difficult to work out whether patients were responding to these drugs or not. In general, we had some biomarkers uh, and we call them breathing tests that go up or down. And over a period of time, we could see whether the drug was affecting breathing tests. But we collect lots of complex data on these patients, images of their lungs, uh, images of their heart, because it can uh, uh, this disease can affect the heart through a way of pressure in the heart and lots of other blood type tests. And I quickly realized that there were perhaps better and smarter ways of working out whether patients were getting worse or not. And if it was hard enough for me as a doctor, um, I wondered what it was like in the pharmaceutical industry when they were developing new drugs for these trials. And these are, these are billion dollar drugs. Uh, companies spend upwards of a couple of hundred million pounds developing each of these drugs. And so there are more than 50 drugs like this in clinical development. And so for these companies developing drugs, it must be really hard to try and work out whether the drugs are working or not. So speaking to Alessandro, we decided that there was a, an area for, yes, a, a niche market, um, but complex diseases um, are a big market as well. So in IPF, for example, uh, around the world, we spend um, about three billion uh, pounds on these two drugs. One of these other conditions, pulmonary hypertension, we spend around seven billion with a B pounds uh, on drugs worldwide per year. Um, so when you get down to this level of complexity, the amount of data that you collect is huge. And we knew that if we could get the, the cleverest uh, machine learning people and data scientists in Cambridge, and we're lucky that uh, Cambridge obviously um, has a wealth of talent, <laughs> oh, sure. yeah. uh, uh, that, that we could try and put this platform together. And so that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years. Awesome. Okay. So is there is there a digital product out there like this now is that have you got a, a competitor that you know or or have you seen it done in different clinical areas that you're sort of following the track attraction of so both so there are companies interested in in ipf for example in um, other forms of lung disease uh, developing algorithms we're trying to differentiate ourselves and that we're not so much interested in the the imaging the imaging is a key part of it but the platform yeah. structures lots of data, imaging data, biomarker data, physiology data. And we're trying to say that we're, we're slightly different from these other companies. Some of them have been going for a lot longer and a lot bigger um, in that we're really trying to bring all these different difficult data sets together. And people haven't really tried to do this in some of the easier diseases. And because as the, the way, um, and I say simpler, simpler lung diseases like asthma, for example, or heart diseases yeah. like blood pressure, there are only certain outcomes. So if you look at a blood pressure trial, you have a systolic and a diastolic blood pressure. So people have heard of your blood pressure being 120 over 80. Now that might be the primary outcome and that might be the only outcome. There are, there are other ones, uh, but that might be the main outcome to see if a tablet, a new blood pressure drug is working. That level of data, although it's huge and that they do very, very big trials, is a lot simpler than IPF. So in IPF, for example, the, the scan that I see that I then pass to Alessandro, my, my radiology co-founder, he might find three or four unique patterns within that scan and putting them all together in his head, he might try and come up with a story to me as the treating doctor to say whether the patient's getting worse or not. When you then add in breathing type numbers or blood type data, it starts to get very, very complicated. I see. So 
um, the, the, the platform itself and sort of the, the, the engineering behind the platform is better to be trying to create the story of the data to make sure that during clinical trials, um, there will be more success and you can also cut things off of much, much quicker um, as, as well and resource managed much better. Yeah, that's exactly right. So for us, it's all about the data, hence our name Curate. It's spelt uh, unusually, uh, but it's a play on words of a, a museum curator, someone who curates data and oh, takes the highest quality data to put into these trials. And so you're right. So we could help um, and we're working with some pharma companies at the moment on our platform and we could help them, for example, look at their trial data and try and cohort patients. So find the best patients to go into that trial or partner them during the trial. So when the patients are going through a trial and we're collecting scans and other biomarker data, it could come through our platform in real time uh, and allow us to give them specific insights. So that, that's what we're trying to do with these complex diseases. Okay, and when did you like start getting traction um, with this? Did you, did you speak to some um, contacts before or did you sort of set out from the pub and went, let's go <laughs> and then see what happens? So, so I think uh, we're lucky in a way in that uh, as medical doctors, we've built this company up from a medical point of view. We were quite clear that we don't have the tech background um, yeah. to, to build platform technology. Um, I should say that um, we have nine or 10 people now and um, our, our CTO, Darren Gallagher, comes with 20 years of experience from very, very big global companies mm. building up platform technology. So without that, we'd be stuck. Um, but we've, we've come at this from a medical point of view and, um, you know, we know some of these pharma companies, we've had traction with them, we've signed a couple of deals recently, we're, we're soon about to, um, in the next few weeks, announce a much bigger deal, but we're, um, we're starting to get traction and we closed a funding round a couple of months ago and so now we have some more money to, to really hire some more people and accelerate what yeah. we're doing. Oh, fab. So in, in terms of the data then, I don't know how much you, you can share or, or, or willing to share. Um, yeah. So obviously you mentioned the imaging uh, data that you have there and then the other, the other biomarkers. So is it, what are the, what are the, the normal structures of data and, and, and going in? Is it, is it com combining NLP, is it combining normal um, statistical analysis as well? How is, how is that looking on the platform when you input? Yeah, so that's interesting. So if you're a client uh, in the pharma company and you want to upload your data, um, that we have various APIs for how to upload data. So we're doing a project with six or seven hospitals in the US um, and they upload their data uh, via our web browser and our cloud-based platform is based in the UK. If sure. you're here in the UK, you may actually upload your data in a slightly different way. But once you upload the data, we have ways of um, automatically curating that data, tagging it. So for example, taking the images putting breathing tests or blood biomarkers with it and converting it into the right format for our machine learning engineers. who then take that and run that through a particular ML process to come out yeah. with biomarkers at the end. To give you more concrete examples in the lungs, for example, in the heart, we've managed to break them down to the individual structures. So looking at blood vessels in the lungs or types of pressure in the heart, for example, and try and um, have specific algorithms, then the, the, that's one key component. The other key component is actually putting these all together at the end. If you have a series of different algorithms and biomarkers, how do we, for that particular client, um, package them all up to create a specific unique digital biomarker that's specific to their drug um, or their clinical trial? Okay, so is there going to be some sort of like personalization of certain, um, I know, like how, if you were to sell it as an as a individual platform for that drug development, can you personalize a platform for that project? 
Definitely. Um, but it's also important to say that a lot of this is quite generic. So, um, for example, um, we're interested in looking at um, the side effect from certain forms of lung cancer or breast cancer drugs. There are certain blockbuster drugs that can cause a side effect of inflammation in the lungs. Now, these drugs all have different molecular pathways, but potentially the outcome of what they do to the structures of the lungs is quite similar. So we may create a package of um, digital biomarkers for um, drug X, um, but actually that might be very similar to what's used in drug Y. And it might have to be tweaked a little bit, but the basic algorithm, the basic set of biomarkers might be the same across the different classes of drug. And that's, that's really interesting to, to try and work out, um, are we creating a specific product for a specific partner, or can we take some of what we've created for a new partner that comes on board to the platform? Yeah, so there is some area of scalability there um, to, the, to the platform. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely key. So the work we did prior to our, our funding round was all project based. We would have money from a particular pharma company to do a project over a series of milestones. The new contracts that we're signing over the next couple of months are all license fee based, where we actually charge a license fee to look at our platform and we will run various models for you. But you as your as a pharma client will pay us and that license fee is scaled up depending on how much data you want to run through the platform. Oh, real. OK, so what was the transition like going from project based to, to license license fee based yeah really interesting and and that was the um you know and you know what it's like with the venture capital world and, and getting funding it was really key that we can show to our investors the the scalability and the um the future of this platform and um interestingly it, it was actually easier than we thought because biopharma companies, especially the very big ones, operate on a license fee model. They understand the right. license fee model. And the minute we within our company switched around to say, let's stop talking about projects and talk more about platform access. And those conversations, um, surprisingly for us, actually started to become easier. Oh, okay. So you didn't realize that you were making the right transition. <laughs> no, and I think that's, you know, that comes with our, um, you know, the fact that we're new to this uh, as doctors and also building up a company that, you know, understanding mm. how biopharma works, how business development works is something that's becoming really, really important to us as we grow as a company. Yeah, I see. And you guys um, came from, uh, remind me the name, but a accelerated program in Cambridge, right? We did. We actually came off the, the University of Cambridge's accelerator at the Judge Business School. Um, that's where we that's formed the company and, and we had great mentorship and great advice from them. We're actually still on the accelerator and we, we don't go to as many lectures. So I'm sure we kicked <laughs> off at some point, but we're still technically on the accelerator. Yeah. How, what do you think, um, well, what are the biggest advantages of somebody coming from your kind of background um, into the business world and making the transition? Because obviously, as well, you haven't got as much software and AI experience as well. So you had the clinical experience, but there were other pieces perhaps that you needed to learn. Yeah, and I think that's where an accelerator like the, the one at the Judge Business School is, is fantastic because it, not only do you go to a series of lectures and, and you, you, know, you have a sort of mini MBA, but you also potentially um, can ramp things up, um, meet lots and lots of very interesting people. Um, mm. get lots of great uh, advice from people and um, really understand how business development works, how, how, how technology works. And, and Cambridge is obviously an exciting place to do that. Yeah, no, for sure. And do you, are you in, I guess you're in like your little cohort then. So do you, do you keep in, in touch with, with other businesses? Is there some competitive nature on who can get- We do, we do. I mean, there are, a lot of, uh, there are a lot of tech companies growing in Cambridge, life sciences companies here. So yeah. there is definitely that level of competition. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a WhatsApp group, which uh, is sometimes dormant and sometimes quite competitive. <laughs> But yeah, we've, we've been on the course for a couple of years and it's been quite exciting to see other companies grow and become very successful as well. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And you, you mentioned your, your CTO, Darren Gallagher, um, uh, probably most important hire that you, you made in, the, in, a, in, a, in a two and a half years. So um, I guess for, for maybe people listening to this, you haven't got a CTO or, or considering um, uh, uh, adding a CTO to their, to their C-suite. What was the process you went through? Did you know Darren? Did you did you get connected with him by somebody else? And what were the key things you were looking for in a, in a CTO from a medical and clinical point yeah, of view? Yeah, and again, um, we're lucky because we're in Cambridge. Darren was introduced to us by someone uh, on our board. Um, we, we'd been looking for a few months for CTOs, interviewed various people, nothing had really connected. The key thing mm -hmm. we wanted, apart from somebody who could obviously work with, is somebody who understood big data. Now, Darren uh, worked at a company called Autonomy, which then sold to Hewlett Packard Enterprise. He was head of uh, global data. He understands big data. He, he doesn't uh, understand medicine, but actually that doesn't matter because yeah. Alessandra and I understand medicine perfectly. We wanted someone that understood data and technology and building and scaling platforms. And so for us, Darren was, you're, you're absolutely right, that key hire. And, you know, having brought on um, seven or eight uh, machine learning scientists and data scientists in the last, and software engineers in the last couple of months, having Darren as a really senior person who understands that is key. So my, my advice would be, if you're a young company starting off in, in the tech world and you're not from a tech background like us, having a really strong um, technical almost a co-founder is absolutely key. Yeah, and I, I, the discussions that, that, that I have in this sort of very senior, either VP or C-suite level is always the balance between understanding, if it's a medical device or if it's pharma biotech, understanding the particular data, um, restrictions, regulations, or, 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 or what is there versus the tech, understanding big data, understanding you know how you build a tech company effectively. So would you would you argue that actually the tech is more important than I th the, the I think, biological uh, or the clinical? at a early stage company like us the tech is far more important and the data is far more important so yes the regulation is important yes the iso certification the um the level of uh, data security the level of clinical data is absolutely key um, but taking that kind of stuff to a side if you take that as a given then it has to be about the tech for us it has to be yeah. about the platform the ai annotation the tools we're building for us this is absolutely key yeah. Okay. And if anyone's listening to this thinking you guys started two, two and a half years ago, that was quite a big event that happened two, two and a half years ago with yeah. the pandemic starting. So starting a business then, did you, was it before COVID you had the pub chat or after COVID? So uh, before COVID, uh, we then had a bit of traction. We had, uh, we hired our first um, software engineer before Darren came on and we started to do some work and then COVID hit. And obviously as a lung doctor, uh, COVID was a very difficult time. It still is a difficult time, mm. but we went through a very difficult phase where we continue to do work on the side, but we had to refocus all our clinical time um, in um, in, our, in our jobs. And so yeah. that's changed as we've we've cut down our hospital commitments dramatically with our last funding round. But prior to that, we were almost full time doctors, um, and that mm. was that was very very challenging, definitely. Yeah. Well, what sort of what sort of pressures did that have? On, on on you did you feel like that the business moved forward enough in that time I, I guess it was a very uh, unique situation and obviously you had to tend to the clinical needs um more importantly during the pandemic but so actually and you know we were we were fundraising last summer where um yes the wave had gone down but there was still a lot of lot of patients mm. so i think it had advantages and disadvantages the advantages being going into rooms with venture capital firms and explaining that you were doctors in the middle of covid definitely made them either question what we were doing, uh, question our sanity, but, but there were some, especially 
um, the ones such as um, he've come on board and led this funding round, um, and we're you know really excited by that. He really understood that we were um, in a very difficult situation, but really trying to make something happen. And if we could kind of get through COVID, we'd be able to build a company. Um, but uh, downsides, you know, as a hospital consultant, and I've been one for about five or six years now, I haven't done nights or weekend shifts on the shop floor for a while. And yet suddenly we were on rotors doing doing 12 hour shifts overnight, um, doing lots and lots of hard junior doctor type work. And uh, you become quite lazy in some respects as a consultant. You forget how hard it was to be a junior doctor and be up all night. And so that was eye-opening, exciting, but but yeah, very challenging, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But I guess also like maybe uh, the VCs that you were, you were chatting to, you're going in a pandemic that with a, with a virus that, that can, can attack the lungs and that's how it, how it kills people, unfortunately. Going with a situation of this is an this is this is in this area more at the forefront of their mind perhaps do you think yeah, definitely so we, we produced we worked with some partner organizations who had software on our platform and, and published some very interesting covid data last year uh, we all also as curate part of a very large european grant called dragon uh, which is an 11 million euro grant um, to look at covid data on our platform so we we've of course capitalized on the fact that we're lung experts in a time of covid it's not our, mm. our key focus it's not our key disease unlike some of the other types of cancers yeah. but yeah we are also in a privileged position from a company to to be able to access data and, and work with pharma companies who are really interested in covid absolutely for sure so a question on then just like the platform itself and your early decision making um why did you look at going into like drug discovery and clinical trials for the platform over like therapeutic analysis like yeah. why did you go for the before stage that, rather than the after stage that was absolutely key because um from a competitive point of view there are hundreds of companies and some of them fantastically successful looking at individual patients trying to sell to hospitals or doctors um their their radiology algorithms their clinic algorithms we were very clear at the beginning that if we wanted to make this company succeed we wanted to take one step back so before the actual hospital setting before the healthcare provider setting there is the um drug uh, clinical trial process and we were really clear that it would be um easier as a small company to a um sign contracts with a few pharma companies rather than hundreds of hospitals um, and b if we could show these pharma companies and we're starting to do that and by the summer we, we really will have done that that our algorithms and platform are key in um, not just clinical trials but endpoints for these very complex drugs and these complex diseases right. then once those drugs get into the real world we'll have actually worked with these and partnered up with these companies to to show them that they're working and then we'll be in a really strong position to go out to individual hospitals or healthcare providers but we, we were really clear from a business point of view that we wanted to go right back to the source of drug drug discovery uh, before actually trying to create algorithms that we sell into hospitals let's say yeah oh, i see so you then you would eventually end up having a platform that, that's hospital based and, and, and patient -based. Ab ab absolutely but that is definitely um a a plan for the next two or three years not for the next 12 months definitely not yeah no 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 make, makes sense um in terms of also looking at different areas you mentioned that the market size of, of complex disease spend on on, yep. on 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 drug discovery and on drugs as as, as well but would you would you look at if this is if this IP is, is successful and, and the, the model persists, would you look at creating a, a product suite across different um, clinical usages or different drug discovery life cycles as well? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about moving towards being a companion diagnostic platform, uh, and that is um, absolutely the kind of road you want to go down. Uh, and when you get to these complicated diseases, there, there are several levels of complexity that we as a company are trying to understand. So one example, I talked about um, a project we're doing with a, a pharma company in the US. They have a, a drug that causes a side effect in the lungs, as I mentioned. And if we can quantify that side effect using our imaging tools and our other AI tools, not just in terms of drug development, but maybe in terms of drug safety, we might be useful. So that if these drugs are being used in the real world, and in real time, we can take data from patients who are scanned or have bloods and say, we believe you're about to enter an adverse drug effect or we're monitoring an adverse drug effect right now. You should stop the drug or reduce the drug dose. I see huge value in that because when you look at the future of healthcare, especially in the Western world, it'll all be outcome based. You know, at the moment we pay for drugs and we don't really know what happens to patients sometimes, but really yeah. we should be paying for these expensive drugs based on patient outcome rather than patient pre-drug. And I think that's where I really see the value of a platform like this, taking all this complex data and, and working out whether patients are getting better or not, whether they're having adverse effects or not. But, but again, that's some way removed from our current uh, model yeah. of working with pharma companies. But I guess like a platform like this is, is, is so important to moving in that direction and an outcome-based payment rather than pre-drug. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like right, right now, you, you, there's not, like you said, in the complex diseases, um, you, don't, you don't know. Um, so you can't really ask for someone to pay on an outcome if you can't test the outcome. Um, yeah, exactly. For, you know, at, this, at this current stage. Um, so I, I guess... Yeah, moving moving the direction would be would be cool. Would you would you want to stay in complex diseases, or would you would you branch out if if you know if you could scale a big a big big platform? I think I think it depends what happens in the next couple of years. I mean, I think there's enough money in, in as I said in complex diseases, not just the lungs and the heart, but you know the brain, the liver, various other types, various types of cancer, for example. And and the, you know these are massive markets. So we spend if you just take those diseases, we spend upwards of a hundred billion a year on clinical trials in lung disease, 90 billion in heart disease, 70 billion in, in brain disease. So these are massive markets for now. Yeah. But, but you're right. If we could structure the data and structure the tools properly, we could move outside of that. But our focus, especially yeah. trying to differentiate from competition, is still these complex niche diseases for now. No, for sure. Okay. And what, what, would, what would success then look like for you in, in 18 months and 24 months time then? Because you're such a new, new, new company yep. as well. I think, uh, well, you know, you, people measure success <laughs> looking at different things. I think from a company yeah. point of view, um, we absolutely would want to have branched out into some other diseases, complex okay. diseases, yes, but other types of complex diseases. We absolutely would want to have partnered up with some large pharma companies uh, for clinical trials and we're confident that, um, you know, in around six months, we'll be in a strong position to do that. Um, and we'll, we'll want to grow the team. Um, our, you know, our funding and our current model takes us so far, but we really would want to accelerate business development and further investment uh, at some point in order to really grow and scale our team, I think. Mm. What, would you, what do you think, um, like you said, the, the, the current model and, and structure gets you so far? So what would be the next, what would, have you thought about what would you, what you would need either model-wise or, or structure-wise to get you to the next step? I think it's 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 data acquisition, really. So, you know, we're getting lots of great data from from trials, but we really would want to branch out. And once we started to get data from other parts of the body, other complex diseases, and not just imaging data, but biomarker data, other types of, you know, genetic data, proteomic data. Once we start to integrate all of that into the platform, then I can see some real value to what we're doing. 
That makes sense. Okay. And I know there's a lot of um, work around and I, I, I've not, not prepped you for this. So <laughs> <laughs> but, but I know there's a lot of, a lot of buzz around like um, personalized uh, genetic modeling and, and things like that in, in, in Europe at the moment, a lot of research in that. So could this kind of platform fit into that personalized medicine, personalized care? personalized drug discovery is as well potentially yeah so again if you take the 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 example of ipf to our sort of benchmark condition um, when a patient goes on to the drugs not only, not only do we sometimes not know if they're getting better or not um, we sometimes can't quite track um, drug side effects and if we had a personalized way of taking all the data and by the way this is data we're currently collecting in the real world we're collecting scans bloods biomarkers mm. if we had a way of accessing all that data on a personalized individual basis and then handing that back to the patient to say, yes, drugs are working or they're not, that would be absolutely ideal. In order to do that, we need to uh, firstly acquire a lot more data. And secondly, we're not, uh, as an early stage company yet, set up to take genetic sequencing data or protein sequencing data, which yeah. is huge amounts of data. But absolutely, we're in talks with um, a couple of companies about partnering up with them so that as we grow and other companies grow, we somehow integrate our mm. platforms together. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. And last question about like where it could go. Yeah. Could this go in, could this, could this like fit into like wearable? So, you know, Apple, Apple watches now you get your some type of biofeedback in there and we chat with wearable companies or that. Could it go that far as to like, you know, someone can, can check their side effects from their I mean, Apple watch? Uh, to be honest, we, that's not something I've given a lot of thought to, but, <laughs> but you know, in the, in the ultimate scalability point of a platform like this, there's absolutely no reason why not. When you look at, um, you know, Apple companies like um, Amazon with their new Halo device trying to take on real-time uh, monitoring, when you take on, if we have uh, a patient on a complex heart drug, and we're taking on real-time uh, blood pressure or heart rate monitors from a wristband and integrating that into whether drugs are working or not. Absolutely. Um, at that point, you know, we'll have um, either IPO'd or been acquired by Amazon, I think. But that, that's the kind of <laughs> level of, of uh, scalability you're talking about. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking as we're chatting there as to, 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 to how far this could go maybe um, in three, four, five years. Um, yeah, and I, th I, think, I think it's all about the data. It's all about getting the best. And again, going back to our name, the best, most highly curated data. That's absolutely key exactly. to this whole platform. Exactly. Exactly. The amount, of, the amount of times that it always circles back to data and how important yeah, the data definitely. is and the right kind of data. Always about, always about the data. <laughs> it's fantastic. So a lot, a lot of plans um, for you and hopefully... Um, we'll see very, very successful next 12, 18, 24 months. And Thanks. if there's anybody wanted to talk to you about, about what, you're, what you're working on, how's the best way to, to reach out to you? Yeah, so if you go to our website, uh, curate.com, which is Q-U-R-E-I-G-H-T, the number, .com, uh, you'll find an info uh, link to contact me directly, to contact us and the team. And I'd absolutely love to speak to anyone who's interested in data, complex diseases, um, or just wants to find out about our company, uh, or wants to invest some money at some point, we'd be very keen. <laughs> so yeah, please reach out if you're interested, definitely. Sure. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Um, been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. And hopefully, like I said, we'll, we'll see some successful, successful uh, announcements coming soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of LifeSite AI, the podcast series. If you would like to listen to any of the other series, or episodes in this series too, then please go back and listen to them on either Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast hosting service. Alternatively, you can find out more and listen and watch to every episode on cyproglobal.com. Thank you, 
and see you next time.